Davis Financial Advisors is a branch office of and securities offered through Independent Financial Group, member FINRA and SIPC. Sean Davis is a registered representative of Independent Financial Group. The interpretation and organization of these ideas are the confidential thoughts of Sean Davis and do not necessarily represent the opinions of IFG Incorporated. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, including market fluctuation, possible loss of principal value or liquidity, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment strategy will be profitable. And now, Uncommon Investments and Resources presented by Davis Financial Advisors, independent investment services for pursuing your investment goals. Here's your host, Sean Davis. This is Uncommon Investments and Resources presented by Davis Financial Advisors, and I happen to be your humble host. My name is Sean Davis. I'm going to be your host as we discuss your money, your retirement accounts, your investments, all of it. And I have to tell you that I'm especially excited for today's show, really excited. I'm going to be discussing some hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio, but that isn't the real reason I'm really excited. I want to hear from you. What are your questions for me? I'm also going to elicit some help from you with research for future shows. Some of the best stuff I've talked about on air has come from ideas given to me from clients, prospective clients, and fans of the show. I'm excited to share more about my upcoming shows with you and see if you might be able to help me with some of the research. I consider it a team approach. I mean, aren't we all just trying to make better financial decisions with our money in this crazy world we live in? It's a team approach. All right, let's jump into the week's show topic. Oil prices have plummeted and gas is cheap. Stock market seems to be more volatile. Healthcare is hot. Housing is in recovery, but commercial real estate is still historically low. Everything changes, and that is why it's important to continue to monitor and review your holdings on a frequent basis. You never know when the darling of last year could be the problem lurking in your portfolio this year or five years out. As the founder of Davis Financial Advisors, I feel it's my responsibility to educate you on the concerns that I see coming on the horizon. I've narrowed these concerns to 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your portfolio. Some of the obvious, others may not be so. Regardless, I think you'll find a new, uh, maybe a few new nuggets of reason and common sense that may help you navigate your investment portfolio a little better. I've broken the 17 hidden risks into three different categories that we'll discuss today. I'm going to talk about investment risks, you know, hidden risks I see in the investment realm. This would be thoughts or ideas I have about certain types of investments or categories of investments. The second category of risks is relative to your investment strategy. I'm calling these strategy risks. People may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find once they reach the top, that ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. That's the wisdom and wit of Thomas Merton. I'm concerned about how you develop an investment strategy and how you maintain that strategy moving forward. Is your strategy outdated? Does your strategy still work well in this current economic and investment climate? How do you know? Stay tuned for that. Lastly, the last category we'll discuss is advisor risk. Did you know that just because financial advisors are licensed in the same areas, that does not mean they have the same investment resources? Could you be limited by your financial advisor's limitations? Do you have all your eggs in the stock market basket? Is that real Diversification. Think about it for a second. Did all of your investments in the market fall back in 2008, 2009 when the market fell? Have they all pretty much come back up with the stock market since then? You know, this last year and the year before was pretty good years in the market. Did most of your investments trend up? 
if they all pretty much went down with the market and they all pretty much came back up with the rest of the market, how is that really diversification? The concept of diversification is that investments don't move together. Using the all your eggs in one basket analogy, the concept is if you drop the basket, your eggs break. From a financial perspective, if all your eggs are in the stock market basket and it falls again, how will that affect your ability to stay retired? Now, some in my industry would say, look, look at what the market's done in the last five years. It's up almost threefold. The market's come back up since the fall. This is true. However, you have to ask yourself if you can weather that kind of an event again if it happens. What if it, what if it falls? How does it feel emotionally? What happens if it doesn't bounce back, bounce back up after the next fall? Is it possible that we could see a Japan event in the U.S.? They're still waiting after over 20 years for the Nikkei to get back to where it was before their big crash back in 1990. At some point, you lose the option to just wait it out and give it time to come back up again. At some point, it may occur to you that diversification is more than just owning stocks and bonds in the market. If your retirement strategy is dependent on the stock market going up, then I have a big big concern for you. In other words, if the only way you're successful, if the only way you make money, if the only way you don't lose money is if the stock market continues to go up, that only works really well when the market cooperates with you. It does not work so well when the market does not cooperate with you. And we've seen several instances in the past 15 years where the stock market didn't exactly cooperate. Here's what I say. Don't have all your eggs in the same basket and don't have all your baskets in the same truck. You know, the concept of correlation is a really, really important one. Do your investments tend to move together? All right, so let's jump into it. Uh, Let's talk about investment risks. Um, Hidden risk number one, foreign currency positions. Um, Right now, the U.S. dollar is like the best house in the worst neighborhood. Yes, we have economic problems here in the United States, but compared to many other countries, we look incredibly attractive. Um, for example, you know our our debt obligation, the national debt of this country, just uh, peaked over, just tipped over eighteen trillion dollars, which is almost exactly what the country produces in gross domestic product. In other words, if you had a hundred thousand of income, it's like having a hundred thousand dollars worth of of credit card debt. Your income matches your debt. However, most of Europe is way worse. Okay, just to give you some sort of an idea, I've got, I t- pulled some numbers off usdebtclock.org, and here's some examples. Um, Italy, 178%. In other words, if their GDP was $100,000 a year, they'd have debt of 178. Germany's at 223. Spain's at 242. France, 269. Portugal, 292. Greece, 295. And Ireland wins the booby prize at 1,066%. China's also slowing. So in all of the world, we look very attractive because no one wants to own anything other than the dollar because everyone else is kind of in a worse position. So that really puts your currency positions at risk. Some of you may have uh, beefed up on your currency positions thinking that all of this uh, printing of money was going to have an inflationary effect. Well, it hasn't happened yet. And so take a look at your currency positions. You may want to pare those down. That's hidden risk number one. Now, I've got a lot more to get into today, but I want to give you um, an opportunity to get our latest white paper, Okay. 2015 is a new year. Uncover 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. And all you got to do is call 800-682-2806. Once again, that's 800-682-2806. 
and we'll send it out to you today via regular mail or email, whichever you prefer. Now, coming up next, I'm going to talk about annuities. I'm going to talk about no stop losses on your portfolio, holding a highly appreciated security too long because you don't want to pay the tax and bonds. All that and more, a lot to uncover. This is Sean Davis, Uncommon Investments and Resources. At Davis Financial Advisors, a large part of their core investment philosophy is this concept that true diversification is more than just owning stocks and bonds in the market. It's not diversification if it all moves together. If you like the idea of not being so stock market dependent with your investment portfolio, then be proactive. Pick up the phone and call them now, 1-800-682-2806, and they will give you the white papers Sean mentioned during the radio show. You don't have to ride the roller coaster. There are other options. Trust your gut. Call the team at Davis Financial Advisors now, 1-800-682-2806. There are other investments out there that just might be what you've been searching for but may not have known where to look. If you call, Sean and his team are going to give you the chance to sit down with them personally one-on-one so that they can explain more why they call themselves uncommon. Visit them on the web at davisfinancialadvisors.com or call them up, 1-800-682-2806. Again, one 800 682 2806. Welcome back to the show. Sean Davis on your radio, talking about your money, your retirement accounts, your investments, all things financial, of course, all things uncommon, as always. We have a lot of information that I'm going to share with you today. Today, I've been talking about hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. Nobody wants risks lurking in their portfolio. (laughs) My team was giving me a hard time for using the term lurking. (laughs) They know I like to use uh, different words, or should I say uncommon words, for which I usually get made fun of around the office. Got somebody lurking outside my window right now. (laughs) But I felt it was appropriate given the subject matter. What does lurking mean? I looked it up. Dictionary.com defines it as to lie or wait in concealment as a person in ambush, remain in or around a place secretly or furtively. They give another definition, to exist unperceived or unsuspected. That's the one I like. I think that's the perfect definition for all of my 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your portfolio. If you'd like to know, I've got a special white paper, new for 2015. It's a new year, and we think you need this information. You should get educated. Uh, it's a Davis Financial Advisors white paper called 2015 is a New Year. Uncover 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. 27 pages, and I'll give it to you if you call me at 800-682-2806. It's a toll-free number, 800-682-2806. My team's standing by. They're going to ask you a few brief, simple questions. Then we'll send this information out to you today via regular mail or email, whichever you prefer. So once again, 800-682-2806. All right. So as I said before, I've broken up the risks that may be lurking in your portfolio into three different categories. I've got investment risks. I've got strategy risks. And then I've got advisor risks. And I'm going to talk about all three. So let's move on. Hidden risk number two On the investment risk side, owning fixed annuities long-term. Baby boomers and retirees are giving more consideration to fixed annuities as safer retirement investments. Fear of market losses if it falls again and the need for a reliable source of retirement income is causing a lot of boomers to consider a fixed annuity. 
Lifetime income annuities are one of the few investments that will guarantee lifetime income from the company that sponsors them. It's a reasonable thing to understand why somebody might find them attractive. A fixed annuity is a contract in which you surrender a lump sum of money to an insurance company in exchange for a guaranteed monthly income, or if desired, a lifetime income. This income does not have to begin immediately. Some annuities allow for deferral of income and thus are an accumulation vehicle. In theory, this removes market risk from the investment, but it does not remove all the risk. I think that baby boomers need to carefully assess all of the financial risk associated with fixed annuities before making a purchase decision. In my mind, those risks include inflation risk, death or survivorship risk, and company failure risk. The biggest concern we have is regarding the potential for increased interest rates in the future. Most fixed annuities are not a good long-term investment hedge in a rising interest rate environment. So it might be good to get a second opinion on what you got going on if you got annuities. All right, investment risk number three, no stop losses on your investment positions. Let me ask you just a simple question. Did you get clobbered in 2008 and 2009 when the market fell? And how did that feel? Did it feel good? Did it feel scary? Did it feel um, almost like the world might be ending? Did you think, maybe I won't be able to stay retired? Well, not having stop losses on your investment positions is one of those hidden risks, I think. Place a stop loss on your positions and adhere to them. A stop loss is simply a predetermined price that you want to sell the stock at if it falls to that level. In other words, I call it investing with a net. Put an insurance policy. You know those trapeze artists that flip around in the circus tents and they're 30, 40, 50 feet up with no net? Well, that's kind of silly. I think you should have a net just in case, especially on your investments. So a stop loss is a, an order that you'd put in place. For example, if you buy a stock for 100 bucks and you want a 25% stop loss on it, it would put in an order and sell it at $75 a, a share if it fell to that price. You can also have a trailing stop. If the stock's moving up, it can follow that price movement up and just put it as a percentage. If it falls below the highest price of whatever it was to 25% of that value, then it'll sell there. And again, we think with markets at all new highs, with the market getting volatile, that it might be an important thing to consider putting stop losses on some of your positions, if available. Uh, the amount of the stop to, to use depends on the risk tolerance of the investor and the type of stock purchase. Stocks that are more volatile in price, you'd kind of need to set the stop a little lower. In other words, give it more room to, to, um, to move around a bit. You wouldn't want to set it too high that any one day or one week's worth of volatility may trigger it. But what we're concerned about is maybe another 2008-2009. Do you have a stop loss on your portfolio? And if not, that might be a hidden risk. All right, investment risk number four. This is a good one, and I, I've not talked about this too long or too many times before, but holding a uh, highly appreciated security too long because of the tax consequences of selling the investment. Is that you? Am I talking to you? Holding a highly appreciated security. I don't want to sell it because I don't want to pay the tax. Is that you? Well, maybe you should consider the following. What do you do when you have a highly appreciated stock or gains from equities or stocks, but you don't want to get skewered? And taxes when you sell? It's really a great question that a lot of people wrestle with when making decisions about investments. I have had a conversation about this very problem with many investors over the last few years with the stock market's huge gains fueling their investment growth. So what do you do? Well, I've found that there are only three options available to you. So pay close attention. 
What do you do when you don't want to sell a stock and you and because you might get killed in taxes, right? So here's your options. Two of these options eliminate the tax completely. The first option, which does not sound particularly appealing to me, is that you could die. When you die, equity investments generally receive a step up in basis at death. This means the tax goes away to your heirs as they inherit the stock at a value equal to the value of it when you passed away. So you could die, and then the tax goes away. If that option doesn't appeal to you very much, then there's a second option available. You can wait until the stock loses value. If the stock price falls, then there would be no tax because there's no gains, in which case... Maybe that's appealing to you. If death and losing money are not the strategies that you find most appealing, then there's always the option of selling and paying the tax. I've seen many investors bypass and step over dollars trying to save 25 cents in tax. Let me say that again. I've seen many investors bypass and step over dollars trying to save 25 cents in tax. It might have happened to you. Back in 2008, 2009, when the markets were at all new highs at that time, you may have highly appreciated stock that you did not want to sell, and then what happened? The markets corrected, they fell, and the next thing you know, either your gain was wiped out, okay, in which case you kind of look back on it and go, man, I wish I would have sold it, right? So you got to keep that kind of perspective in mind. Um, the markets are cyclical. It's not a matter of if, but when we think that might happen again. All right. So be sure to consult with your own tax advisor or professional before making any significant tax-related decisions, by the way. Investment risk, hidden risk number five, owning long-term bonds for income. A bond bubble may be coming. Uh, bonds are not safer than stocks. Let me say that again. Bonds may not be safer than stocks. They just move under different conditions than stocks. Ask anyone that's held long-term bonds in their portfolio when interest rates rise, what happened? And they'll tell you that they suffered significant losses. When the price of a bond goes up, its yield, the cumulative return of the instrument accounting for not only the bond's interest rate, but also the price you paid for it, goes down. So when the price of a bond goes up, its yield goes down. Could investors be mistaking the rising valuation of bond funds over the past few years as evidence of their supposed safety? The converse is also true. When interest rates finally begin to increase, the value of outstanding bonds is expected to decrease. The all-time record high prime rate in the United States was 21.50% on December 19, 1980. By the way, you find that in fedprimerate.com. This means that if you were purchasing a bond around that time, you were lending your money to a company or entity in exchange for a bond certificate which promised that that entity would pay you interest around that incredibly high interest rate. Now, in hitches and starts over the ensuing decades, at least until December 17, 2014, that prime rate has decreased to its current standing of 3.25%. Knowing what we know about the effect that interest rates have on the value of bonds in the secondary markets, one might deduce that a 30-year bull run on bonds will have to come to an end if rates are ever expected to go up. To give you a sense of what that means to a U.S. Treasury bond investor, consider this. A 10-year Treasury bond issued at 2.82% interest could see a 42% loss in value from a mere 3% rise in interest rates. Meaning that if you held 100,000 of these bonds prior to the rise in rates, you would only be able to sell those bonds for about 58 grand on the secondary market after a 3% rise. So how many of you holding bonds think that interest rates might rise in the future? So 
That's why we feel that bonds could be a hidden risk lurking in your portfolio. All right, so we've managed to get through five of the hidden risks that may be lurking in your portfolio. We'll get through the rest upcoming, but I've got something I'd like to give you. If you're curious about other risks that may be lurking in your portfolio, then I've got something for you. It's a white paper. It's called 2015 is a New Year. Uncover 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. And I want to give it to you if you call this number. Write this number down. Call it now. 800-682-2806. It's Again, it's a toll-free number. 800-682-2806. My team's standing by. They're going to ask you, ask you a few brief, simple, short questions. Uh, try to get a snapshot of what you're doing right now. And then we'll send out this information to you um, today via regular mail or email, whichever you prefer. Once again, that number is 800-682-2806. Also, I'd like to encourage you to visit our website. We're going to have a lots of new content available on the website, www.davisfinancialadvisors.com. And as I said before, we're even going to have a link on there where you can ask us a question, and I may air it on the show and answer it on the show. All questions will be answered. So check it out, davisfinancialadvisors.com. All right, coming up next... I'm going to talk about uh, tax-deferred growth. I'm going to talk about Roth IRAs. Uh, I'm talking about endowment funds, all that and more. Sean Davis, Uncommon Investments. At Davis Financial Advisors, they have different resources. Imagine this. Imagine investing in a way that what the stock market does, up or down, what it does is irrelevant to how your investments perform. Imagine what a difference that might make to your anxiety or stock market worry. Are you interested in learning the pros and cons of investing in an uncommon way? If so, call Davis Financial Advisors right now, 1-800-682-2806. When you call, Sean's team will send you the information that he promised during the show, and he will offer you the chance to sit down with him one-on-one to get a second opinion on what you are doing. They might see diversification where you do not. They might see income or yield where you do not. I bet they will see your situation differently than you when they look through their uncommon lens. You'll never know unless you give them a call at 1-800-682-2806. Remember, the unofficial definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Call Davis Financial Advisors now, 1-800-682-2806 to hear something different. You can also check them out on the web at davisfinancialadvisors.com. What he says will make you think. Here's Sean Davis. Welcome back to the show. My name's Sean Davis. You're tuning in to Uncommon Investments and Resources. And yep, you got it. From 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., you have me, your humble host, here to help you navigate the investment world. Today, you've tuned in to our discussion about 17 hidden risks lurking that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. Do you have risks lurking in your portfolio? <laughs> the more I say that, uh, the more it makes me laugh. <laughs> it's an interesting word, but I like using it. Uh, you might not know unless you call in to get our latest white paper. And you can do that right now by calling 800-682-2806. It's toll-free. If you're frugal, it's toll-free, 800-682-2806. My team's standing by. They're going to ask you a few brief, simple questions. Then we'll get this information out to you today via regular mail or email, whichever you prefer. We've outlined five risks thus far that are investment-related, and um, we're on our way. We're going to get to more of them as we talk about uh, strategy risks. Uh, I said before, I've broken them down into investment risks, strategy risks, and advisor risks. There is a famous quote 
that you might have heard that goes to something like this. People may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find, once they reach the top, that that ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. That wisdom and wit of Thomas Merton. So when it comes to your investment strategies, think of these as the rudder to your ship. Or for you pilots out there, think of it as the vertical stabilizer or rudder of your plane. Your investment strategies determine the direction that your investments will take. Of all the risks that I'm going to explain and outline today, I believe that strategy risk has the potential to be the biggest risks discussed today. Do you have an appropriate strategy given this current economic environment? That's a great question. So let's move on to strategy risks. We're going to talk about strategy risks right now. Hidden risk number six, tax deferred growth as a long-term investment strategy. Tax deferral as an investment strategy is dependent on the assumption that you'll be in a lower tax bracket when you distribute the money, when you take the money out of your retirement accounts. In other words, the idea has always been defer now, save the tax liability, pull it out later in the future and pay less tax. That was a very fair assumption in 1981 when the 401k was first made available to employees. Back then, the highest marginal tax bracket in this country was, take a guess, what's the highest bracket? Look at the person next to you. If you're driving in a car or if you're in your house, wherever you are, what do you think the highest tax was back in 1981? Uh, 25%? Nope. Higher. 35? Higher. Uh, 50? Nope. Higher than that. 60? Nope. Even higher. 70%. Highest marginal tax bracket back in 1981 was 70%. An average couple making 80 grand a year back then was in a 46% marginal tax bracket. 46%. There were also 15 different brackets back then. So it was a good assumption that at retirement, you'd probably drop down a bracket or two because of a reduction in your income. Most people don't retire and then make more money in retirement than they did while they're working. It's rare. It happens, but it's rare. Today, even though recent legislation extends... Many of the Bush tax cuts, we still have a third as many tax brackets, and our highest marginal rate now is 39.6%. In our opinion, it's far more likely that the average investor will see an increase in their personal income tax liabilities moving forward, especially over three, five, and 10-year timeframes. In other words, we think long-term taxes are probably going to trend up. If you agree with me, well, consider this. The deficit, stimulus money, bailout money, the largest section of our population producing less income and using more government benefits in the form of Medicare and Social Security. It's far more likely that taxes will increase in the future. At least that's our opinion. So if you defer today to save 35 cents in tax liability today only to pull it out in the future and pay a higher rate, 40, 45, 50%, that, my friends, was a huge mistake. You'd be better off to pay the tax originally and invest in more tax-advantaged ways. So tax deferral. The idea, the strategy of defer the tax today, that is dependent on the assumption that the tax later will be lower. So what happens when it's higher? Well, that strategy doesn't have as much oomph then. In our opinion, this is a compelling reason to consider converting tax-deferred retirement assets or some of them to a Roth IRA, which is strategy risk number seven, not having a Roth IRA down the road. If you're like me, and think that there's a good chance that taxes are going to go up in the future, then you need to make sure you have a decent amount of money in a Roth IRA. 
Roth IRAs have a completely different time frame to consider than most other IRAs. Roth IRAs do not have required minimum distributions at 70 and a half. In other words, they don't force you to take money out because there is no tax created through Roth distributions. This means that a Roth IRA might have a different time frame and investment objective applied. This would create the opportunity for different investments to be considered. Almost everyone that I speak with expect taxes to go up substantially at some point in the future. I also think that it's inevitable that personal income taxes will rise. It would be unfortunate if taxes go up in the future at the exact time that inflation hits you square in the face. There have been changes in tax rules that make Roth IRAs available to everyone, regardless of your income. Pay attention, you high-income earners out there that have never had a Roth. If you've never been able to convert to a Roth because of your income, that changed in 2010. You may not know that. From 2010 moving forward, everyone and anyone can convert traditional funds to a Roth IRA, regardless of how much income they make. A Roth IRA provides future income under Roth rules that is completely tax-free. Paying less income tax on income in the future is certainly a good way to mitigate the negative effects of increased taxes and inflation on your portfolio. Think of it this way, though. Visualize this. If you had two bags of money in the future, one that was tax-free and one that was taxable, it would give you more control over how you distributed those monies to you. In other words, you could pull more from one bag or the other depending on what was going on. We can't predict what the tax rates are going to be 5, 10, 15 years in the future, but having a couple different bags of money to draw from that have consequential different tax effects as you draw from them, one may be Roth and one may be traditional, that to me gives you more control, and I think that's an advantage in the future. I think you'd want to have that option in the future. Once again, Please consult with your own tax professional before making any significant tax-related decisions. So um, keep that in mind. All right. So if you'd like some more of this information, I've got more hidden risks that may be lurking in your portfolio that I'm going to talk about um, throughout the rest of the show. But if you'd like to get our latest white paper, it's Davis Financial Advisors white paper. 2015 is a new year. Uncover 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. Then you need to call me at 800 68 22806. Once again, 800 682 2806. My team's standing by. They're going to ask you a few brief, simple questions. Once we get the snapshot of your situation, we'll send this information out to you today via regular mail or email, whichever you prefer. And coming up next, I'm going to talk about endowment funds, asset allocation, and self directed IRAs. That and more. Sean Davis, Uncommon Investments. Just for a minute, go back a couple of years. Go back a few years on your memory back to October of 2008. If you remember October of 2008, then you remember that it was precisely the month that the stock market fell almost 20% and then kept falling to half its highest value. Do you remember how scary that was? Do you remember that you might have been contemplating going back to work because your IRA accounts and retirement account investments were worth half as much? How much traveling did you do that year? How much financial help did you give your kids, your church? Did it feel like the world was ending and the sky was falling? The volatility seen in the last few weeks has Sean Davis very concerned. How exposed are you to another crash like that? Don't go through that again if you don't have to. Let Davis Financial Advisors give you a second opinion. Call now, 1-800-682-2806. Again, 1-800-682-2806. Welcome back to the show. Sean Davis on your radio. Talking about your money, your retirement accounts, your investments, all things financial, of course. All things uncommon. You've got me for a couple of hours talking about 
hidden risks that could be lurking in your portfolio. In fact, if you'd like to get our latest Davis Financial Advisors white paper, it's called 2015 is a New Year. Uncover 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. All you need to do is call us at 800-682-2806. Again, that's a toll-free number, 800-682-2806. All right, before the break, I mentioned that uh, I think that strategy risks are some of the most important risks to address. Do you have the right strategy? Is it appropriate for today's environment? Is it going to work for you? So I'm talking about hidden risk number eight, taking a traditional approach to investing instead of investing like an endowment fund. An endowment fund is meant to be a forever fund. Colleges with endowment funds depend on the fund to drive the income the college needs to meet its annual budget obligations. An endowment fund is very similar to the nest egg of a retiree, at least we think so. It cannot be lost, and one must depend on it for a long period of time, often for income. Yale's endowment returned 11% per year over the last 10 years, ending June 30th, 2014 surpassing results for domestic stocks, which returned 8.4% annually, and for domestic bonds, which returned 4.9% annually, relative to the estimated 7.6 average return of college and university endowments over the past decade, Yale's investment performance added $8.4 billion of value in the form of increased spending and enhanced endowment value. Uh, during the 10-year period, the endowment grew from $12.7 billion to $23.9 billion. Over the past two decades, get this, Pay close attention here. Over the last two decades, Yale's endowment generated returns of 13.9% per year compared to the estimated 9.2% average return of college and university endowments. Yale's investment performance added $20.6 billion of value during the 20-year period, growing from $3.5 billion to $23.9 billion. That is incredible. 13.9% Per year. Now, the source of that is uh, www.news.yale.edu. Um, you can get on the good old interweb and uh, do a Google thing and um, search up Yale's performance. Most endowment funds have managed very conservative growth and in income in a market that has been substantially volatile by making sure that very little of their funds move with the broader quote-unquote stock market. The number one rule of long-term financial success and sustainability is try not to lose money. Don't lose money. Yale's endowment performance has been legendary over the last 20 years. Now, if you could peek over the shoulder of the guy running that thing, would you want to? I mean, can you imagine peeking over the shoulder of somebody that's had a 13.9% per year return? through? I mean, think about the last 20 years. That was including the dot-com crash in 2008-2009. That's incredible. So their chief investment strategist, David Swenson, he pioneered a substantial departure away from traditional stock market equities towards a more balanced and diversified investment portfolio. In 1985, Yale had almost 60% of their allocation in domestic equities. Since 1985, Yale's been consistently reducing their exposure to domestic equities. You might be surprised to know that Yale right now only holds about 6% of their fund allocation in domestic stocks. 6%. You heard me correct. I find that very, very interesting that one of the most successful endowments in college history has only 6% of their fund in domestic stocks. The three largest allocations of the fund are in private equity, real estate, and absolute return. Private equity is 31%, real estate 17%, absolute returns 20%, foreign equity is 13%, natural resources is 8%. By the way, all this is in our white paper. Domestic equity is at 6%, bonds and cash at 5%. 
Um, if one of the most successful endowment funds in the world only has 6% of its investment allocation in the stock market, what does that say about their confidence in it for the future? Now, keep in mind, it's not possible for most investors to replicate what Yale's been able to achieve because most investors are not dealing with a team and billions of dollars. There are strategies and options that could help you get closer to a more diversified investment mix like Yale, but not everyone is suitable for these types of strategies. It would be important to discuss your investment risk tolerance, liquidity needs with a qualified financial advisor. So keep that in mind. If you don't have one, call me. As you can tell, I'm probably a bit different than most. All right, moving on. Strategy risk. Hidden risk number 10. A strong market may make you overweighted in certain allocations. Time to reallocate. If you ever owned a dog or shop for a dog, then you've probably heard the term mutt before. I understand it uh, to mean a dog of mixed breeds. In other words, it's not a purebred dog. I'm a bit of a mutt myself in human terms. My dad uh, has a lot of German in him, amongst other things, and my mom is mostly native Indian. So I'm a native Indian, German, and a splash of some other nationalities. Call me a melting pot, a crock pot, or if you're a dog fan, you can call me a mutt. I do identify with my native Indian heritage, though, and that's one of the reasons I love the parable of the two wolves. I don't know if you've heard this before. Um, an old Cherokee chief was teaching his grandson about life. And he says, if fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy, it is a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, self-doubt, and ego. The other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, Benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person, too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his father, which wolf will win? The old chief simply replied, the one you feed. Source, unknown. So how does this relate to hidden risk in your investment portfolio? You may have equity positions in your portfolio that have grown larger because of their better performance in the last year. In other words, some of your stocks may be growing stronger, gaining value, and taking up a larger role in your portfolio than you originally intended. You may have intended a static position of 50% stocks and 50% cash, but now your stocks may be 75% of your allocation and cash may be only 25%. I told you the story previously about my three dogs. Chewy, that's Gavin's dog. He's my second oldest son. Johnny, the alpha male uh, that has claimed my oldest son Colby as his owner. And then there's Pixie. Pixie was supposed to be my wife's dog, but she's taken a liking to me instead. Pixie loves food. Simply stated, she eats too much food. So she's a bit uh, portly. The dog you feed grows the largest. In your portfolio, because of the stock market's gains over the last few years, you know it could represent a larger, greater percentage of your overall portfolio. You may not realize you've been feeding it more, so it's grown more. This could put you at increased risks if the market corrects. It's always a good time at the beginning of the year to focus on asset allocation and make sure your investments haven't skewed in a direction of risk that you did not intend. Asset allocation and rebalancing your portfolio is a critical part of an investment maintenance strategy and one that you should not ignore. It might be time to rebalance. All right, if any of this is making sense to you, then I would uh, encourage you to get our latest white paper. 2015 is a new year. Uncover 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. You got to call me now at 800-682-2806. It's a toll-free number, 800-682-2806. My team's standing by, and they're going to ask you a few brief, simple questions, and then we'll get this information out to you today via regular mail or email, whichever you prefer. Coming up next, I'm going to talk about self-directed IRAs, alternative investments, 
and take a question from a caller. That and more. Sean Davis on Common Investments. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. This show is called Uncommon Investments and Resources. It's about investments outside the stock market available to you. The stock market is volatile right now. It's run up five years now, and this could be the correction everyone has thought could be coming. Why wouldn't you want to sit down with someone that has spent 10 years working with investments outside the stock market when the stock market has been so volatile? When the stock market is the only place you invest or the place that has the majority of your money, you have to obsessively watch it. Worry about it. You have to guard it. You have to put a moat around it. It stresses you out. You have retired and picked up a second job watching your portfolio bounce around. It doesn't have to be that way. Let Davis Financial Advisors give you a second opinion. Call now, 1-800-682-2806. Again, 1-800-682-2806. Welcome back to the show. Hour number two. You're along with me as I'm talking about your money, your retirement accounts, your investments, all things financial, of course. All things uncommon, as always. And you caught me talking about uh, risks, hidden risks, that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. We've gone through 10 of these risks already, and I'm going to proceed to go through the other seven if I can. If i got enough time. we got two hours show, and I'm still struggling with time. I'm, I like to pontificate, as my dad likes to say. Well, actually, he says it differently. He says, I've got the gift of gab. So... Um, If you'd like to get our latest white paper, it's called 2015 is a New Year. Uncover 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. Uh, If you can play catch up with us, if you're just joining us, I'd encourage you to call 800-682-2806. It's a toll-free number for you frugal folks out there. 800-682-2806. My team's standing by. They're going to ask you a few brief, simple, short questions. Uh, Once we get the answers to those questions, we'll send you out this information today via regular mail or email, whichever you prefer. All right, so once again, let me encourage you also, lots of new stuff coming. Uh, In addition, I'd like you to write this down, www.davisfinancialadvisors.com. We're going to have great content there. I'm going to have some of my radio shows there. I'm going to have my white papers there. We're going to have some new engaging content coming there. You'll want to check that out, davisfinancialadvisors.com. All right, so I broke up the risks that may be lurking in your portfolio into three different categories. We had investment risks, which we've already discussed. We had strategy risks, which we're in the midst of discussing. Discussing. (laughs) Discussing. We've outlined 11 so far. These risks have included the following. You might want to consider paring down your exposure to foreign currencies as the dollar is continuing to strengthen. I express concerns with fixed annuities. I talked about the importance of stop losses on some of your equity positions. We also talked about holding a security too long for fear of the tax consequences of selling it. Remember, there's only three ways to avoid the tax consequences of a highly appreciated stock. Wait until you die when there's a step up in basis. Wait for the security to fall in value where there's no gain. Or lastly, you could just donate it to a charity. Otherwise, it might be a better option if you think you want to just sell it and pay the tax. We then talked about the jeopardy of long-term bonds, and then I got us in the subject of strategy risks. Do you have an archaic strategy? Is it current and vibrant in today's economy and investment markets? So we talked about the strategy of tax deferral really being mostly valuable when tax rates are expected to be lower later. Uh, Do you really think tax rates are going to be lower later? We then talked about the endowment approach to investing and diversification. By the way, I'm a fan of their approach to diversification and investment management. We feel the endowment model has the potential for better diversification and long-term performance. We then talked about the asset allocation risk, 
that you can avoid through rebalancing. It is very important to rebalance. And remember, the dog you overfeed grows the largest. <laughs> Think Pixie. Um, and then lastly, I'm going to have advisor risks that I'm going to talk about. So strategy risk, hidden risk number 11. Not only a truly self-directed IRA for your IRA assets. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know that you could own a three-bedroom, two-bath house rental property in your IRA? In your IRA, yes. Physical real estate, three-bedroom, two-bath rental property in your IRA. You can do it. It's perfectly legal. Did you know that you could own a real, tangible real estate, like an apartment complex, a duplex, any of those things are all available. My definition of a self-directed IRA is the ability for you to invest in any investment that's legal to own in an IRA that you choose. You may think you currently have a self-directed IRA. However, I have a question. For you, if your IRA custodian only allows you to choose investments that are in the stock market, how self-directed is that really? How much diversification does that really allow you? In a true self-directed IRA, you can choose from a wide array of traditional and non-traditional public investments. For example, mutual funds in any mutual fund family, stocks and bonds in a brokerage account, annuities, public limited partnerships, direct participation programs, including REITs, treasuries or U.S. government securities, bank CDs. You may also choose to hold closely held stocks, limited liability companies, real estate, debt financed or leveraged real estate, corporate debt offerings, trust deeds, that and more, all in a self-directed IRA. Uh, we have a company we use called Equity Institutional. There's also Pensco here locally. You've got a firm by the name of um, Polycomp that also does self-directed IRAs. So I've got a list in our white paper of several. I've got IRA Resources, Inc., Equity Institutional, Trust Administration Services Corp., Equity Trust, Polycomp, Pensco, uh, Intrust, Guidant Financial, IRA Services. All of these are in our latest white paper for you. I've got a list and their contact information. But we consider them to be self-directed IRA custodians because you're not just limited to market-based investments. Everything that's legal for you to own in the chassis of an IRA is available through some of these self-directed IRA custodians, truly self-directed IRA custodians. Now, the reason we like a self-directed IRA custodian is we believe it allows you the opportunity for a maybe a better level of diversification, utilizing real assets that aren't usually held in traditional custodians. So that brings me to strategy risk, hidden risk number 12, not utilizing alternative investments for possible increased diversification. Alternative investments are long-term non-traditional investments in non-publicly traded REITs, direct private placements, limited liability companies, limited partnerships, investing in businesses such as real estate, energy exploration and development, no programs, royalty interest, distressed debt equities, and many more. Direct investments allow for an investor to invest directly into a specific business. These alternatives have the potential to balance a traditional or conventional portfolio of equities because many are not linked to the stock market directly. When you invest in this capacity, an investor becomes a part owner of those hard assets associated with that investment. You know, For example, the real estate, the business development programs, equipment leasing. Is there risk to alternative investments? Yes. It's still investing. All investing has risks. One could argue that alternative investments have greater risk. For example, they're not readily liquid. Think of investments in real estate. Uh, they can lose money or make money. Rents are not guaranteed, just like distributions from alternatives are not guaranteed. Real estate doesn't move with the stock market, but it's also not very liquid. A lack of liquidity is a risk. That doesn't mean nobody owns real estate. It just means that you need to make a judgment call as to whether those risks are appropriate for you. By the way, listen, this is not an offer to buy or sell you anything. That can only be done with a prospectus or private placement memorandum. 
All I'm trying to do is let you know that there are other options available to you for diversification. And diversification cannot eliminate investment losses, nor does it guarantee a profit. So don't forget that. All right. So if this is making sense to you, if you'd like to get our latest white paper, it's called 2015 is a new year. Uncover 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. I'd urge you to call 800-682-2806. Again, that's a toll-free number, 800-682-2806. My team's standing by. They're going to ask you a few brief, simple questions, and then we'll get this information out to you today via regular mail or email, whichever you prefer. So once again, you can call 800-682-2806. All right. When I return, I'm going to take a question, answer a question from one of our uh, listeners, and I'm also going to get into advisor risks. That and more. Sean Davis, Uncommon Investments and Resources. At Davis Financial Advisors, the resources for you are quite substantial. In addition to this weekly radio broadcast that Sean does, in addition to the over 50 white papers that he's written in the last six years, they have a great website as well. You can check it out by going to davisfinancialadvisors.com. As you navigate the website, you'll see that they have archives to past radio shows there. Additionally, they have an area where you can log in and see all the prior and particularly current white papers that Sean has written. You can also ask Sean a question on the website and he may answer it during his show. Lastly, there's a great digital brochure that outlines their investment philosophy and uncommon resources. Be proactive. Visit davisfinancialadvisors.com. If you can't visit the website right now, then feel free. Give them a call at 1-800-682-2806 and request their white papers. All of the information will be included in the white paper. Call now, 1-800-682-2806. Again, 1-800-682-2806. With a great face for radio, here's your host, Sean Davis. You're along with me talking about hidden risks. In fact, I got a white paper I'd like to give you. If you think you might have some hidden risk in your portfolio, you may not know. All the more reason to call 800-682-2806. I've got a white paper called 2015 is a New Year. Uncover 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. That's yours if you phone us at 800-682-2806. Again, toll-free 800-682-2806. My team's standing by. They're going to ask you a few brief, simple questions. And once we get the answer to those questions, we'll send you this information out today via regular mail or email, whichever you prefer. All right, we've come to that place in the show where I'm going to take a question from one of our listeners. By the way, you can ask your own question if you visit our website at uh, www.davisfinancialadvisors.com. There's a link located on the website where you can call, state your name and the city where you're calling from, and ask me a question. I might air that question on my radio show and answer it for the benefit of everyone. By the way, uh, you can also email me at sean at davisfinancialadvisors.com and ask your question via email. All right, so we're going to take a question from Jeff. Hey, Sean, my name is Jeff. I'm calling from Folsom. Uh, I'd like to get your opinion on whether or not I should have an umbrella liability policy on my insurance. Uh, Honestly, I feel like sometimes I am overinsured in a lot of areas. I love your show, by the way. Uh, I would just like to hear your thoughts on the umbrella coverage. Thanks. Jeff, that is an excellent question. I have a friend, Dan, who's an independent insurance agent, and he told me a story a long time ago about one of his clients that stuck with me. Dan's most memorable claim on an umbrella insurance policy he was involved in was made by a small business owner who had purchased a $2 million policy. After attending a Christmas party, his client unfortunately got involved in a fatal auto accident where the other driver was killed, which is horrible. The client was given a breathalyzer on the scene, 
and exceeded the legal alcohol limit. He was sued for something like $1.25 million by the claimant's family and was legally liable for the damages, which were paid by the umbrella policy. The client was otherwise an upstanding citizen who had no past history of these kinds of events. While it's easy to assume that only a rich person could need that much insurance coverage, you'd be surprised at how important umbrella policy can be for an average member of the middle class. For example, if you have car insurance policies with limited liability coverage, you may think you have enough protection in case of an accident. Uh, but a lawsuit like the one I, I just shared with you could quickly exceed $100,000 or $300,000 you know, in, insur- in terms of an insurance payout. An umbrella policy provides an additional layer of insurance, typically at $1 million or $2 million above your auto insurance and your homeowner's insurance liability coverages. Considering the following scenarios where an umbrella policy would be helpful— Okay, here's two other examples I came up with. A $1.2 million settlement in New Jersey where an underinsured driver hit a policeman who was completing paperwork at a traffic stop. The driver had to pay legal fees for his defense as well as the settlement. A $1.76 million uh, award to a mother and her 8-year-old child in Florida after a wave runner accident injured both of them. The mother needed corrective surgery after the initial injuries were treated. Although a lot of umbrella insurance claims are related to car accidents, the policies offer protection against accidents that occur at your home, too. For example, in case someone falls down your stairs and sues you or your balcony collapses during a party. Many people opt for an umbrella policy because they have a pool or a trampoline on their property and fear the consequences of a child getting injured. Then there's coverage for incidents that you may not have even considered, such as accidents while you're driving in another country or while you're on vacation and you've rented a boat or a jet ski. Another important feature of these policies is protection in a lawsuit against you for slander or defamation of character or for decisions you might have made as a volunteer member of a nonprofit board. If you regularly blog about controversial topics or rant on Facebook, an umbrella policy might be a good idea to protect your assets from a litigious individual who believes you've damaged their reputation. It may sound unlikely, but it's not unheard of. In 2009, a high school student sued another or sued actually four other students and their families for $3 million because of derogatory comments the other students made about her on Facebook. While the lawsuit was eventually dismissed, reaching that verdict took two years and required considerable expenditures by the families. An umbrella policy can cover expenses related to such lawsuits. And you, may, you, you have more to protect, Jeff, than what you think. You may be assuming that if you don't have a million to lose, you don't really need an umbrella policy. Unfortunately, if you're sued by someone who falls down the stairs at your home or who you injure in a car accident, you can be sued for more than just what you think you have in the bank. Your retirement funds, investments, savings, and even your future earnings are at risk if a judge allows someone to garnish your wages to pay off a settlement. In some states, the equity in your home can be part of a judgment. If you own a house and have a retirement account or other investments, an umbrella policy of a $1 million or more should be part of your financial plan. We think so. Most insurance companies offer these plans in increments up to $5 million, or some go up to $10 million. For most folks, we think an average cost of a $1 million policy is around 200 to 300 bucks a year. Here's how you mentioned that you were insurance poor, Jeff. Here's how you might be able to incorporate umbrella coverage and not feel insurance poor. I might be able to help you get it with very little additional cost. Obviously, insurance companies want to collect large premiums and pay very small claims. That's what they do. We, on the other hand, as consumers, we want to pay very small premiums and put the insurance company on the hook for large claims. How do we do that? Well, we change or potentially change your deductibles. If you have deductibles of 100 bucks, maybe 250 or 500, you could probably afford to raise the deductible to 1000 bucks across the board. If you raise the deductibles on your coverage, you are theoretically only absorbing an extra 500 
or $900 worth of exposure or risk. In other words, you have to pay a higher deductible. You're having to come out of pocket an extra 500 bucks or 900 bucks. But you could use the savings that creates to purchase another $1 million umbrella liability policy. Remember, they're only a few hundred dollars a year. So essentially, if you could save a few hundred dollars a year by adjusting your deductibles up, it only puts you at risk for an extra 500 or 900 bucks, but it puts the insurance company at risk for an extra million. So hope that helps, Jeff. Best of luck to you. All right, let's move on to our advisor risks, hidden risks number 13. Ego, thinking you can do it all on your own. That's a risk. You might be your own advisor managing your own money. Sure, you can open up your own TDS Ameritrade or Scottrade account. You can roll over your IRA, invest it in equities, and the stock market in general. You can invest in traditional ways all by yourself. But if you want to invest like an institution, you're going to need some help. If you invest your own money, I know why. Someone in my industry may have let you down at some point in the past, and you figured that nobody, nobody is going to be as concerned about your money as you are. I get it. Here's a question, though. What if there are investments out there available to advisors that can help you diversify your portfolio that you don't have access to on your own? What if? Not all advisors are the same. Some advisors are affiliated with insurance companies, and some are affiliated with brokerage firms. There are a smaller few that are affiliated with independent broker-dealers. Amongst these brokers, you have a good chance of finding investments that you can only purchase from brokers. Investments such as land banking, equipment leasing funds, note programs, royalty interest, oil and gas drilling programs, timber, finance funds, non-publicly traded REITs. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, then you might be reluctant to seek out these opportunities on your own, but that would be a diversification mistake, potentially. These alternative investments can help diversify you in ways that most people cannot do on their own. So you might be limiting yourself. This economic environment demands that you do your own research and you know all the investment options available. Remember, diversification cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. So moving on, advisor risk number 14, thinking all advisors are the same or thinking they have the same resources. Most financial advisors are limited and what they can offer their clients. If you have an advisor that is affiliated with a large life insurance company, more than likely the answer to all of your financial goals and concerns will be an insurance product. If you have an advisor that's affiliated with a large stock brokerage firm, then the answer to all your financial goals and concerns will more than likely be investments in the market. Maybe one of these investments is right for you. Maybe not. When the big firms have 300 of their, of their own mutual funds to offer you, do you see that there might be a problem with bias or objectivity? Most of the insurance advisors want you to stay away from the market and put your money in guaranteed annuities. Is there a problem with bias or objectivity when an insurance guy recommends insurance products exclusively? Who your advisor is affiliated with has a lot to do with the recommendations. At Davis Financial Advisors, we think that your adv financial advisor should be able to represent insurance, the stock market, or alternative investments outside the stock market so they can determine which ones are best to help you accomplish your financial goals or address your financial concerns. If the stock market doesn't make sense, we're going to tell you. If it makes sense, we're going to let you know that too. When do the following entities or people make the most money? Here's an important question related to the stock market. Have you ever heard a major stock market investment firm make an announcement or press release suggesting that you should get out of the stock market? By nature of what they do, they are unlikely to suggest that you get out of the market. Does your brokerage company make more money offering their own equity investments or the investments of other companies? Does a brokerage firm make more money having their clients stay invested or selling their investments and going to cash? 
Do the answers to these questions have anything to do with the advice that you're often given? Stay the course. Don't sell now. You can't time the market. You have to give it time. It's a momentum market. Stay in. Don't get me wrong. There are good people in my industry. I just want to make sure that you know that someone who only manages your money in the stock market for a fee is usually not going to recommend that you get out of the stock market. Successful people, wealthy people, understand the benefit of surrounding themselves with people that have a different perspective. Remember, there is no one person or one company that has a lock on all the great ideas out there, so it's important to avail yourselves to different perspectives. Two eyes, two sets of eyes, they're better than one. Okay, so if this is making sense to you, this is what I would suggest that you consider doing. Call me right now. You can call me at 800-682-2806. My team's standing by. They're going to ask you a few brief, simple, short questions. Helps us to get a snapshot of what you're doing right now. And then we'll send you out to our latest white paper. It's called 2015 is a New Year. Uncover 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. We'll send you that out today via regular mail or email, whichever you prefer. So that number is 800-682-2806. It's toll-free, 800-682-2806. Now, I'd also encourage you to write this down, www.davisfinancialadvisors.com. Over the course of 2015, we're going to have some great new information on the website, information we think you'll enjoy. So stay tuned for that, www.davisfinancialadvisors.com. Check it out. I think you'll be... um, I think you'll be intrigued. All right, after the break, I want to get a little personal with you. I want to tell you a little story about why I got into the business and why I do this show. I think you'll, uh, you'll learn a little bit more about me. That and more. Uncommon Investments. Just for a minute, go back a couple of years. Go back a few years on your memory back to October of 2008. If you remember October of 2008, then you remember that it was precisely the month that the stock market fell almost 20% and then kept falling to half its highest value. Do you remember how scary that was? Do you remember that you might have been contemplating going back to work because your IRA accounts and retirement account investments were worth half as much? How much traveling did you do that year? How much financial help did you give your kids, your church? Did it feel like the world was ending and the sky was falling? The volatility seen in the last few weeks has Sean Davis very concerned. How exposed are you to another crash like that? Don't go through that again if you don't have to. Let Davis Financial Advisors give you a second opinion. Call now, 1-800-682-2806. Again, 1-800-682-2806. Welcome back to the show. Sean Davis on your radio, talking about your money, your investments, your retirement accounts, all things financial, of course, all things uncommon, as always. If you're trying to make your way with your investments, I'd encourage you to get educated, and I've got a white paper I'd like to give you. Uh, It's called 2015 is a New Year. It's 27 pages. Uncover 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. We don't want risks lurking about in your portfolio. So I'd like to give that to you, but you got to do one thing. You got to call me, 800 682 2806, toll free number 800 682 2806. I'd just like to tell you a story, a little story about why I talk about different and uncommon investments. Today, I want to have a heart to heart talk with you. You know, one of those important discussions that you and I will most likely remember for a long time to come. I've been an advisor for almost 16 years, and you've heard me before on this station, but you may not know why I do this, why I have a show, why I'm an advisor, why do I want to do a two-hour show. 
I got into the business to help people hopefully make better investment decisions with their life savings. I've always been good at math. I was passionate about financial concepts and strategies. It seemed like a logical, natural fit to pursue a career in the financial services industry. So I began my formal career back in 1997. I began my career working with a large life insurance company. Now, to be perfectly candid, I had three primary investments that I could represent at this insurance company. Life insurance, annuities, and equities in the market. Suffice it to say that the only options for growing my client's investments portfolio were linked to the broader stock market, the chassis or framework for building their wealth was dependent on a strong, favorable stock market environment. I call that strategy today stock market good. In other words, the only way you're successful, the only way you win, the only way you, you make money, the only way you don't lose money is if the stock market continues to, to go up. I began my career at a great time in the market. Back in 1997, almost everything in the stock market was doing well. I'd begun my career at a time when the stock market was on a bull market run straight up straight to the sun. It was that time of irrational exuberance when it felt as though you couldn't do anything wrong. It was a great time for a young guy like me to get his investing prowess confused with the bull market. It's amazing how much I felt like Warren Buffett back then. It's an easy feeling to have when it appears that you have the Midas touch. I know that you know what I'm talking about. You might have had those same feelings back then. Everything you touched seemed to go up in value. It seemed easy. However, my illusions of grandeur came to an end and March of 2000, that's when the stock market began to implode with the tech sector leading the way. Over the next 20 months, I had a lot of people that I worked with lose a lot of money. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Imagine being a financial advisor that truly cares about your clients, cares about their stories, life experiences, their hardships encountered on the way to, quote-unquote, retirement. Imagine that you help to manage their money, and they're your clients and something goes wrong. They lose a lot of money. Imagine what that might feel like. They lose 20%, 30%, or 40% of their retirement savings. How would that make you feel? Would it make you sleep well or maybe not so well? Imagine the tough conversations that took place. I began what I refer to now as my great apology tour at the time. I went back to my clients and had to tell some of them I didn't think that they were going to be able to retire when we had forecasted that they would retire. I had to tell some clients that had retired a year or two before that they may not be able to stay retired. Imagine what those conversations might have felt like. I candidly was shocked that so many of them had lost that much money. I tried to make sure that my clients were diversified. I'd focused on hand-selecting investments in the stock market that I felt were diversified. I'd used Morningstar reports to select small cap, mid cap, large cap, value, growth, international. I even had selected some sector-specific investments like energy, pharmaceuticals, telecommunications. The reality is that I'd spent hundreds of hours trying to strategize on how to get my clients diversified, never suspecting that almost everything that was traded in the markets would lose value when the stock market had a really bad year. That is not what diversification is supposed to look like. Let me say that again. If every one of your investments is negatively affected when the stock market has a really bad year, that is not diversification, in my opinion. Diversification should look differently. It act differently. The investments should not all fall together, but that's exactly what happened when the market fell back in 2000, 2001. To be honest, I wanted to get out of the business. It was tough having those conversations. The biggest concern that I had was how could I possibly stay in the business, look people in the eyes, and tell them I think I can help them when I felt like nothing regarding the outcome of that situation was really in my control. I am a person that has to believe in what I'm doing in order to do it. I'm a straight shooter. If I can help people, 
I'll tell you I can help you. If I can't help you, I'll tell you I don't think I can. What I was struggling with was I knew the stock market would fall again at some point in the future, and if diversification didn't work the first time, how would it work the next time? I believe, firmly, I believe that a financial advisor should bring knowledge, information, and resources that you cannot easily come by on your own. Otherwise, why have one? So I was struggling with whether or not I was bringing value to my clients. I was candidly wondering why my clients should, shouldn't fire me and then buy an index fund and just hope they had good timing. Think about that for a moment. Why shouldn't you just fire your advisor and buy an index fund? I say that from the perspective of an advisor that only manages your money in the stock market for a fee. If that's the only thing they do, they only manage your money in the stock market for a fee, then you might be better off avoiding the management fee they charge and just buy a basic index fund instead. I had some really difficult decisions to make. I really felt that if I was going to stay in the business, honor my clients, and hopefully safeguard their money in the future, I had to find out if there was other ways to invest money that were not as directly linked or tied to the stock market. Here's what I began to do. I began to look outside my industry. Generally speaking, the financial services industry is substantially the stock market industry. Some firms have built a reputation on representing the market only, and others focus on stock market and other investments outside the market. So I began to research how big Fortune 500 companies invested their money. How do Fortune 500 companies handle their cash? How do they get diversification? How did big pension funds of the past invest money to make sure retirees were supplied with the retirement benefits promised? How did billionaires invest their wealth? Did they only focus on the stock market, or did they invest in other ways? How did the big college endowment funds diversify their wealth? Did they just focus on the stock market, or did they look beyond the market and diversify in other ways? I spent two years trying to educate myself on what else was out there, what else was available to me and my clients to hopefully produce a better version of diversification. I learned a lot. What I learned changed me. It gave me hope that there might be investments out there that wouldn't fall when the stock market fell and thus hopefully produce a better version of diversification for my clients. Does that mean that these investments are foolproof or without risk? No. It's still investing. It's putting money at risk in the hopes to get a better return. Whenever you invest, you can lose money. However, my belief is that if you're truly diversified with your investments, the risk of catastrophic loss goes down. Now remember, diversification cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses, nor does it guarantee a profit. So that's a little bit more about me, a little backstory on why I do this. I want to try to help. I think we have a better version of diversification than most of the people I see coming through our doors. And we think diversification is one of the few things that you can do right now to help uh, protect yourself. And if you agree with me, then you should call. Right now, our latest white paper, it's called 2015 is a New Year, uncovers 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. It's 27 pages. I'll give it to you if you call me at 800-682-2806. It's toll-free, 800-682-2806. Remember, this is your money. You're paying for the lessons. You might as well get educated. At Davis Financial Advisors, a large part of their core investment philosophy is this concept that true diversification is more than just owning stocks and bonds in the market. It's not diversification if it all moves together. If you like the idea of not being so stock market dependent with your investment portfolio, then be proactive. Pick up the phone and call them now, 1-800-682-2806, and they will give you the white papers Sean mentioned during the radio show. You don't have to ride the roller coaster. There are other options. Trust your gut. Call the team at Davis Financial Advisors now, 1-800-682-2806. There are other investments out there that just might be what you've been searching for but may not have known where to look. If you call, Sean and his team are going to give you the chance to sit down with them personally one-on-one -on -one so that they can explain more why they call themselves uncommon. Visit them on the web at davisfinancialadvisors.com or call them up, 1-800-682-2806. Again, 
1-800-682-2806. Welcome back to the show. This is Sean Davis, hosting Uncommon Investments and Resources. Thank you for joining us. We've been talking about 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. Look at what you got. Make sure you don't have hidden risks lurking in your portfolio. If you'd like to get our latest white paper, it's 27 pages, and I'll give it to you if you phone 800-682-2806. Toll-free, 800-682-2806. My team's standing by. They're going to ask you a few brief, simple questions, and we'll send this information out to you today via regular mail or email, whichever you prefer. All right, so hidden risk number 15, paying fees for advice that's ineffective. I think that you should get value for fees that you pay a financial advisor or an investment advisor. When you pay a fee to an advisor, you not only lose the fee, but you also lose the future earnings on that fee over a long period of time. Have you calculated the total cost of advisory fees that you have paid in the past and whether or not you feel that money's come back to you in the performance? Have your investments predominantly followed the rest of the market? Has your advisor ever suggested an investment outside the market? Have you ever heard advice such as stay the course, you can't time the market um, over the course of the last few months? Have you ever compared your portfolio results following your advisor's recommendations to the overall return of the S&P 500? I have a crazy theory about advisors. I told you in the last segment, they should bring you knowledge, information, and resources you couldn't have easily come by on your own. Otherwise, why should you have one? Most advisors can be a lot like bookies. You place the wager, and they're the only ones that make money consistently. Analyze what you are paying for in advice and make sure that you're getting the value from that. In these precarious investment times, it's more essential than ever to preserve your wealth now and in the future. Uh, make sure you're getting valuable advice. When you pay $1 in fees for advice that isn't valuable, you not only lose that dollar, but you lose what it could have earned you. That's called opportunity cost. The opportunity cost of using resources in a certain way is the value of what those resources could have produced if they'd been used in the best alternative. That's from Mansfield Economics, Principles, Problems, and Decisions. It's very important to understand that when you pay $1 in fees that you'll never see again. You not only lose that dollar, but you also lose the future growth potential of that dollar. There are two costs, actually, the actual and the opportunity cost. Opportunity costs present a continual drain on financial efficiency. It's one of the ways that we transfer personal wealth to the government through taxes, financial institutions, and advisors through fees, like inflation. It's not readily visible, but compounds to huge losses over time. It's lurking in there. Remember earlier, I told you what the definition of lurking is, to lie in wait or in concealment as a person in ambush, remain in or around a place secretly or furtively. And then they give another definition, to exist unperceived or unsuspected. As an invested dollar grows, perhaps multiplies over time, a dollar that is paid out, it's idle or is inefficient. It loses the opportunity to grow. So the amount it could have grown to had it been used efficiently over a measured period of time is called the lost opportunity cost. Additional costs created by how a dollar is used or invested, such as income taxes, various fees, and other related expenses, are all losses that are compounded by opportunity cost. Interest cost on financial items is compounded by opportunity cost. Measuring the lost opportunity cost over a specific period of time is useful to analyze economic performance. However, since that dollar will never be returned, it's gone. The losses grow forever. Losses that we would never willingly accept had we known about them occur routinely without our knowledge or consent. A real-world example, okay? If you have a financial advisor that's charging you a fee, 1%, let's say, and it's 1% per year on a $400,000 portfolio, if you're 60, and let's say you live to 85, that 1% fee per year and I'm just assuming it's static, so 4000 a year every year for 25 years. 
that would compound and cost you $252,996 in real wealth if that money had stayed in your portfolio and earned 7% per year. Now, your situation will be different than that because it's not an ideal or static situation, but you need to do that calculation. Are you getting your money's worth? And we can help you understand that or figure that out if, you, if, you're, uh, if you're unable to. So moving on. Hidden risk number 16. Thinking that diversification is possible in equities alone. My industry loves to talk about the benefit of diversification. However, what's ironic is that most of my industry substantially represents the stock market, which is positively correlated, making diversification difficult. If you have all your eggs in the stock market basket, is that real diversification? Think about it for a second. Did all of your investments in the market fall back in 2008, 2009 when the market fell? Have they all pretty much come back up with the stock market since then? This last year and the year before was pretty good years in the market. Did most of your investments trend up? If they all pretty much went down with the market and they all pretty much came back up with the rest of the market, how is that really diversification? The concept of diversification is that investments don't move together. Using the all your eggs in one basket analogy, the concept is if you drop the basket, your eggs break. From a financial perspective, if all your eggs are in the stock market basket and it falls again, how will that affect your ability to stay retired? Now, some in my industry would say, look, look at what the market's done in the last five years. It's up almost threefold. The market's come back up since the fall. This is true. However, you have to ask yourself if you can weather that kind of an event again if it happens. What if it, what if it falls? How does it feel emotionally? What happens if it doesn't bounce back, bounce back up after the next fall? Is it possible that we could see a Japan event in the U.S.? They're still waiting after over 20 years for the Nikkei to get back to where it was before their big crash back in 1990. At some point, you lose the option to just wait it out and give it time to come back up again. At some point, it may occur to you that diversification is more than just owning stocks and bonds in the market. If your retirement strategy is dependent on the stock market going up, then I have a big big concern for you. In other words, if the only way you're successful, if the only way you make money, if the only way you don't lose money is if the stock market continues to go up, that only works really well when the market cooperates with you. It does not work so well when the market does not cooperate with you. And we've seen several instances in the past 15 years where the stock market didn't exactly cooperate. Here's what I say. Don't have all your eggs in the same basket and don't have all your baskets in the same truck. You know, the concept of correlation is a really, really important one. Do your investments tend to move together? So if any of this has made sense to you, uh, I hope you do one thing. I hope you call me right now, 800-682-2806. My team's standing by. They're going to ask you a few brief, simple, short questions. Helps us to get a snapshot of what you're doing now. And then we'll send you out um, our latest white paper. It's called 2015 is a New Year. Uncover 17 hidden risks that may be lurking in your investment portfolio. We'll send that out to you today via regular mail or email, whichever you prefer. All you have to do is um, call one simple number. It's toll-free. Write it down now, 800-682-2806. You can call at any time. It's a 24-7 line, uh, 24-hour, seven-days-a-week line. So once again, that's 800-682-2806. 
And uh, one last note about the content and the website. I'm going to be announcing uh, several things over the over the coming weeks and months. Changes. We're going to do, do, be doing more interviews. We're going to have our podcast on our show. We're going to have all kinds of stuff coming. But um, uh, check out our website, www.davisfinancialadvisors.com. There's a great digital brochure. If you got some friends that uh, might want to listen to the show, you might want to refer to the show, uh, by all means do so. The website's a great place to, to find some useful information. I'll see you next week. Sean Davis, Uncommon Investments. Different types of investing involve varying degrees of risk, including market fluctuation, possible loss of principal value, or liquidity. There can be no assurance that any investment strategy will be profitable. Well, the show is now over. The ball is in your court. What are you going to do? The markets are volatile, and there is significant pressure downward. It's like watching storm clouds form and waiting to build your shelter until the storm hits. Imagine investing in a way that what the stock market goes up or down, what it does is fairly irrelevant to how your investments perform. Imagine what a difference that might make to your worry and concern. Doesn't it feel a bit scary to rely completely on the stock market going up indefinitely to stay retired? One month you can stay retired, the next month maybe not. It doesn't have to work that way. At Davis Financial Advisors, they don't think they have all the answers, but they do think that what they are doing is more diversified and strategic than what many people are doing today. This is your money. Be proactive and learn about what else is out there in the investment world. Let them give you a second opinion. Call now, 1-800-682-2806. Again, that is 1-800-682-2806.